Have you thought about who you'd be when you've conquered the trauma? What would you do? Where would you go? Who would you be? Hi, my name's Joanna. Welcome to Relentless. Let's join together and explore life beyond child sexual abuse. Okay, before you get overambitious and try to solve all your life's problems, I am going to share with you the Survivor's Toolbox. Eight things, starting with one, taking a moment to honor yourself, two, finding and making a safe space, three, acknowledging and respecting where you are in this journey now, four, understanding what pace to take, five, removing the excess baggage in your life, six, allowing yourself a support system, seven, understanding how to nurture yourself, and eight, knowing what to expect. And before we get started, I want to take this moment to congratulate you. It's not easy for someone, for anyone who has been through child sexual abuse to finally decide that they want to cross the bridge from being a victim to becoming a survivor. Now, these eight tools are in no way something that you should have done now. There's no way that I was able to have all of these things done um, in in the span of just a year or even a month or a week. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's nearly impossible just because everyone has different backgrounds and everyone comes from different circumstances. But I have created this based on my research and based on personal experience and I have noticed that these are the things that help support a very healthy healing journey. And so um, there are even some things that you will have to revisit time and time again and it will be frustrating, but I promise you it's normal because healing is not linear, okay? So these tools are not steps that you should take um, one through eight. Uh, these are the things that you should kind of review. I think that that's the way they will be the most helpful is to kind of go over the ones that, that you do have control over and try to work on those and then keep the other ones just kind of in the back of your head until um, you can revisit again and reevaluate the things that you can change in your life. Okay, so the first tool that I listed was taking a mo- moment to honor yourself. Taking a moment to honor yourself. Now, what I mean by that is taking a moment to honor your mind, your body, and your spirit because no matter what your mind and your body's responses were to the trauma, it has brought you here in one piece. And this is probably one of the hardest things for some of us to do, especially me. I don't want to say that I have it all perfect. There are times when I actually, I go through these things um, I, I, I go through moments where even though I've dealt with it before, I will go through my memories of what has happened and I will re-experience the shame. I will re-experience uh, a feeling of helplessness. But it's important to acknowledge the things that you have done and the things that you think that you weren't able to do at the time because we were not as equipped as we are now. And so take a moment to honor yourself. And that can look like maybe go on an artist date with yourself or do something that you enjoy doing. But really, this tool is just a moment of reflecting upon the things that you've had to do and having peace and gratitude for your body trying to do its best to protect you. And as a nurse by trade, I now understand that a lot of our 
minds and our body's ways of responding to trauma are a means to survive. I think that our minds tend to automate a lot of the responses to trauma. So for example, um, I'm going to talk, I guess I can, yes, I'll go ahead and bring up a very difficult emotion, shame. Our minds, I feel like, feel shame because it's our way of telling ourselves that we had a degree of control um, in regard to what had happened to us. And the reality is that we didn't. And I think that it's very scary for ourselves at a subconscious level and a conscious level for us to admit that we didn't have control during a very vulnerable time of our lives. And so, again, regardless of what we had done, regardless of what we were not able to do, I think it's very important to honor ourselves, our mind, bodies, and our spirit. And so the second tool that I bring up is finding and making a safe space for yourself. Finding a space inside or outside your own home that you feel safe and secure in. And this might be a little difficult for some of us who have a shared space, but you can still achieve this in your own room. It can be a corner of the house or the studio. It's just a designated space that you can call your own and just fill it up with the most, I guess, your 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 most favorite possessions, the things that um, make you happy, the things that put a smile on your face, the things that bring comfort. And I would put in that safe space a list of contacts. Everyone has a smartphone now, now, so that could be on your phone. But it might be helpful to have a physical list of who to call if need be. And so I found it especially helpful, helpful growing up to have safe spaces inside my house and outside my house. Growing up in high school and college, I didn't have so much of a choice but to live in the same house where I was abused and I lived in the same house where I I was constantly surrounded by people who were either pressuring me to speed up my healing or pressuring me to forgive um, the perpetrator and it was it was a very it was very stressful it was very pressuring it was very upsetting so a lot of my safe spaces were outside of my house my one of my closest friends Jeanette um, and her mom Maru they they were so kind and gracious enough to open their house to me. And so I was able to live in their home for um, for a few years. And I love them so much for that. I have no idea how I was able to go through what I was going through in uh, earlier on in my journey if, if they did not offer that space to me. So I was very privileged to have that. Um, but if it wasn't their home, it was other friends' houses. It was, this might have not been a great idea, but a lot of my, uh, the, the the guys that I dated, I kind of went to their place as a safe space, but that's what I needed to do at the time. And so some other ideas for safe spaces could be the beach, it could be the park, the library, it could be a cafe, just places that not necessarily are alone for you, not a place where you necessarily have to be alone. You could be amongst people, but it's a place where you do feel safe and you don't feel like harm will come to you. And having options for your safe space are very important. And if you can't think of one now, this is probably something that I think that everyone should work on soon, just because it's near to impossible to go through a healing journey without having the safe space to do it. And so when I grew up, that was Jeanette's, Jeanette and Maru's place. I was able to kind of collect myself there and breathe and I could, I could 
physically feel my my abdomen uh, detangling its knots. I could physically feel a release of stress. It's remarkably invaluable to have a safe space. So let's see. Let, that brings us to number three, acknowledging where we are in this journey now. And a big part of acknowledging and respecting where we are in this journey now is kind of understanding what to expect from healing. And I will get into that much later and I will get into all of these tools in much later podcast episodes. But acknowledging and respecting where you are in this journey now means to take your own pace and respect your rhythm. Healing will probably be one of the most challenging processes that you will ever have to deal with, but you deserve the time and space to heal in every stage that you're in. And if you do need to hear this, healing is possible. You can live a life that's normal. You can also live a life that is extraordinary. And I didn't know that. All I wanted growing up, all I ever wanted was just normal. All I wanted were normal problems. I didn't want to have to go into a house where I constantly felt like felt like I had to bring up my walls, my internal, my mental walls, because I, I, I knew and expected to be verbally abused uh, in some way, emotionally, verbally, mentally abused. And all I wanted was normal. And if you can relate to that, I just want to let you know that you can even surpass that level. You don't have to just settle for normal, but just know that 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 there's so much more. There's so much more to life ahead of us um, than just having to feel like we always have to constantly survive. And now it's a lot easier said than done. Um, you just kind of have to let yourself go through uh, the the complications of each phase without letting it consume you. And that's probably going to have to be a conversation for later, but um, respecting respecting where you are in your journey. You could be working on probably just making a safe space, or you could just be focusing on setting up boundaries, um, and there are some things that you probably will not be ready for, either because you're not mentally ready for it or you're not physically ready for it, and that's okay. You have to be okay with your journey being different than other people's journeys and I think that's super duper important okay so that was the third tool the fourth tool is understanding what pace to take and so no one could tell you how fast or how slow you're supposed to heal understanding what pace to take really is about listening to your gut and listening to your intuition if you're at a point where you can't think clearly or you can't make any sense of the emotions that are going through your head and you can't do the normal things you have to do every day, like maybe going to school or um, taking care of your kids or your job, you have to know when to slow down or kind of take two steps back and that's okay. Healing is not linear. So understanding what pace to take means listening to your gut and respecting your body and respecting your mind because it's not it's not a sprint it's going to be a marathon and so simply put i guess is knowing when you need to take a moment to experience whatever you may be going through and knowing when you need to do something else and so this doesn't mean avoiding the healing altogether it just means taking a break 
and sometimes doing nothing is doing a lot for yourself but this might be a little bit more involved that I'm leading on to be but just for the sake of time remember that I plan to go into detail about all of these eight tools in future episodes okay so tool number five removing the excess baggage in your life Ooh, this is so important. What I mean by removing the excess baggage is learning when to say no, letting go of the things that haven't been serving you. And that also includes the things that you do out of obligation, but are not necessarily for your survival. So I guess in the words of Mary Kondo, what brings joy? Now, that's not completely true for a lot of things. There might be things that we need to do in order to survive. And sometimes that may not bring joy, but it's something we have to do just in the meantime, until we can get, until we find something else that's better than that job that you don't necessarily like, but you do need the money. Now, what I mean is letting go of the things that are unnecessarily burdening your life. And I guess some tangible examples that I can think off the top of my head were toxic people and toxic relationships. For me, I grew up in a very dysfunctional household and I did not have a good example of what a healthy relationship was. And so a big part of removing excess baggage is understanding what makes a healthy relationship, what makes a healthy friendship, what makes a healthy um, intimate relationship. Going through the healing process makes it especially important for you to let go of the people and the things that distract you because every little thing, even if it's just this one itty bitty thing that you don't want to want to do or just one itty bitty thing that um, is weighing you down, all of these little things just add up. And boundaries are super, super important when talking about removing the excess baggage because it helps you to keep out the things that that don't serve you and your life and your purpose and you need to be able to give yourself the mental and physical room to go through what may actually feel like a second storm you may actually re-experience the things that you've went through and it's not going to be pleasant and you will not have time and space for uh, that toxic relationship or that toxic job and so if if you are able to remove the excess baggage in your life where you can and then work on the other things over time. Now that was removing the excess baggage and number six is allowing yourself a support system. Oh, allowing yourself a support system is basically letting yourself ask for help. And allowing yourself a support system could be finding a survivor group. Thank goodness for technology because there are so many ways to find one near you. All you have to do is uh, find or Google search for a community near you that actually does have a survivor group. If you are not able to leave your home or you're not able to do that um, just because of time constraints, you can do virtual survivor groups and you can find a bunch online. I will, I will post the different resources on my website, www.relentlesspodcast.com. And I will have different um, social media platforms that 
are kind of like having that uh, survivor, that survivor support group. And it's just super important to have that in your life, to be able to talk with people who understand what you're going through. This also means having good friends and having people that you can rely on while you're going through this journey. So that can be people that will help you with the day-to-day things that you obviously need help with. Maybe it's someone who can take care of your kids for a little bit while you focus on yourself, or maybe it's, it, it could be anything really. But I think that's super duper important because it, it's going to be overwhelming having to do this on your own. And I understand that trusting people is probably one of the hardest things to do for a survivor of sexual assault especially if if our trust was betrayed by the people that we expect to be able to trust but i think it's absolutely important to find those people and to be able to reach out for help because you need that help just as much as i did need that help and just as much as the next person next survivor needs needs help in their journey it makes a huge difference when you have a good support system and that and i highly recommend as well if you are able to find one to find a therapist because having and finding the right one is absolutely important and so i will go into deeper detail on that on another podcast episode but finding a therapist too is almost like dating around many times it's really difficult to hit it right off the bat with your first one i had a very very bad experience with my first therapist and it was it it was not my favorite experience at all because i had no idea what i needed to do and i felt even more isolated and on top of that i don't know if it was my medical insurance with kaiser or what as a kid but all i had were once i think it was like once every two weeks or once every month that i had an appointment and it was awful the very first appointment that I remember with my with my first therapist was with my entire family, and uh, it, it's so difficult to think about now because I just remember, and it's just seared into my brain, how it felt sitting down, and m- my mom and my dad and my sister, their lips were pursed, and they were just looking at the ground, and no one shared anything, anything, and I think it was the therapist, and it might have been someone else, too, kind of providing support um, during that time. But oh, it, all they did was just say things if they were asked to say something. And, and it wasn't coming from um, a, a space of uh, genuine care for what is happening. They, they were there because they had to be there. Um, and it was so evident. But long story short, finding a therapist um, will be extremely, extremely beneficial. And so that is allowing yourself a support system. Because really, there are resources. I think that it, it just takes time and it takes patience um, to be able to open up yourself to the world like that again. And um, I understand. But just the same, I think it's very important to find someone that you can trust even if it's just one person or two people. (laughs) Okay, so seven, understanding how to nurture yourself. Okay, take the time to understand what makes you happy. What do you enjoy? This could be anything, okay? 
And I'm talking about healthy things that you enjoy. So a walk, a run, or a hike outside, watching the sunset or the sunrise, tending to house plans, my favorite, <laughs> and reading, watching Netflix, maybe getting into a craft like knitting, crocheting, cooking, going for a drive. Um, what are your favorite things to eat? Where are the places that you enjoy being? There are probably some of us here that don't there are probably some of us that don't know what we enjoy. Some of us might be too bogged down by our own responsibilities, by our own jobs. Um, maybe we just like feeling busy all the time and we don't do or take the time to enjoy ourselves. It is very important to understand what you enjoy and take some time in your day to do something that isn't something you have to do just something that you absolutely enjoy. And if you do not know the things that you enjoy, I highly recommend setting time specifically for this to go on some dates with yourself. I think that these are most helpful when they're done alone. There's this book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, and she talks about artist dates. Now, her book is about rediscovering creativity and getting past past the mental hurdles that help you become the most creative you can be. But just for the purpose of this, I think that it's very important to go on these quote-unquote artist dates because these artist dates will help you to thrive. They will help you to live a more well-rounded life. And I think it's incredibly healthy to understand the things that you enjoy doing and to be able to do them without feeling guilty because this is something that we must do and know how to do, especially if we are, um, especially if we are healing from sexual abuse. Okay, so understand how to nurture yourself. That was tool number seven. Tool number eight, knowing what to expect. If you're in a place where you have just decided to heal, make preparations for yourself to do it safely. I have a space in my website, www.relentlesspodcast.com, and I have listed all of the numerous resources that are available to you. It might feel like the process will never end. It might feel like healing is forever and that the trauma will never leave you. And unfortunately, it won't. But I do promise that it does get easier from here. And so as long as you're patient with yourself and honor the stages that you're in, you will be more than okay. And there are times today, 15 years later, where I feel like I have to go through different visceral feelings, raw feelings of grief and anger and sadness and shame sometimes. These automatic feelings that come up from remembering exactly what had happened. And it's going to happen from time to time again. But what happens over time when we develop a healthy healing system for ourselves is that when we do revisit the trauma of what has happened to us, we will we are better equipped for how to manage those feelings, how to manage those automatic thoughts. So please be patient with yourself and understand again that healing is not linear. It's if you were to draw out the process on a paper, it would look like a bowl of spaghetti okay and it's okay it's it's okay you just have to know and expect that that's going to happen 
Now, if you made it this far, thank you so much for giving this lesson. I commend you for the amount of courage it took for you to get to this point. And maybe all of this feels like it's too much, but please know that you're not alone. And if you're in the most painful stages of your healing, there is hope. My hope is that this work serves you well. And if you can share your story too, please share your story to www.relentlesspodcast.com or you can DM me on my Instagram at Relentless Joanna. 